You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight, we're talking about Eli Roth's new horror film, The Green Inferno. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. What's up? Now, hey, Benson, real quick, before we get into everything all crazy and all that with the movies, have you been to Target or Walmart or Toys R Us and seen all the awesome Star Wars merchandise that is all over the shelves? You know, I I really didn't know. I haven't noticed. You haven't noticed any? Oh, Uh, man. You've totally caught me off guard. (laughs) Like a little droid. Have you seen the droid? The what's his name? The BB-88 or a little soccer ball droid? They actually have one of those. You can mow control, and the head always stays on top. Or BB something. <laughs> I don't know. It's got some. You know, it's like R two D two. It's the replacement R two. Yeah, exactly. You like it now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's it's cute. It's kind of growing on me. It's like, hey, it's like R two. Such a Man, this is so funny. Uh, well, dude, you know, when this stuff starts coming out, it, it does get me a little pumped. When I go into, like, you know, Toys R Us, and there's a Millennium Falcon that I can actually fly, oh, it's so awesome. Yeah, I'm getting... The only, the only like, merchandise I saw was uh, I was walking down an aisle at Target, and it was not the toy aisle. It was just a random aisle, and they had some, like, three-foot Darth Vader's interesting they're 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 marketing darth vader for a movie that he's probably not even in now i did think the story you told me the other day i didn't i had no idea but that 20th century fox still owns a new hope 20th century fox actually owns even though disney bought all the star wars branding lucasfilm all that stuff they own all that they have the rights to make new films but they don't even own the rights to the original six star wars movies yet they'll own all that in like i think 2020 so it's not that far away. They own digital rights for all the movies, and they release them digitally. But they don't own... But they don't own the first one. Yeah, the one that came out in 77, the very first actual film. Star Wars. Yeah, let's call it what it is. Yes, They don't you. own any of the rights to that one. Yeah, no, they don't have the rights to it at all. 20th Century Fox completely Now what about, like, Empire? Do they have the rights to release that on Blu-ray if they wanted yeah, to? Yeah, in 2020, they'll get Empire. But not until then. Not until then. They only have digital up until that point, from what I understand. That is so interesting. Like, that's, I, I did not know. We're talking about uh, The Green Inferno today. Eli Roth's new movie. It was actually made and shown at TIFF back in 2013. Newly released to the public. Worldview and Open Road Films originally had an agreement with the film. Yeah, tell this story. As you read this article, I didn't read it. Yeah, well, apparently the CEO for Worldview got let go. Looks like there were some shady things going on there. Worldview started doing some restructuring, 
And I don't think that they wanted to honor the agreement that they had made with Open Road. Why did they not want to honor that agreement? They were going to pay some of the marketing costs and distribution costs associated with the film. And they agreed to this. And then when their CEO left, another CEO came in and wanted to restructure some things. Uh, and then the film got delayed. Uh, it was originally supposed to come out in uh, September of 2014, last year. And, of course, it got delayed because of this. Uh, Bloomhouse came in, and they released it under their, uh, what was it called? What was it, BT Tilt? Is that what the production company was called? In the opening credits on Green Inferno? Yeah, I noticed that, that that was a little different than their normal logo. Well, yeah, they're starting, they're trying to start something with this company. It's like an offshoot where they're trying to specifically go after a set demographic with their marketing toward certain genre films. Like, they, they didn't run a lot of TV spots, but the TV spots they did run, I saw a lot of stuff on Comedy Central. They ran some stuff during South Park. They released the film in theaters that have an historic track record for going to see horror films. So they targeted their theatrical release. Because they only released this in a little over a thousand theaters. Well, that's pretty smart. It made three point five million this weekend. Which is not I mean, it's not a whole lot, but the movie only cost five million to make. Well, I guess I didn't realize they were releasing it on such like only a thousand screens. I, I I wasn't paying attention, but you know, normally like horror films come out and they do anywhere from like eight to twenty. They're trying to keep their costs low. So if they keep their marketing costs low, the idea is that they release it in only a couple of theaters. They pay for less prints. They're getting more revenue back. And they're releasing it in target, target audiences that they know are going to go see the movie. Let's, well, let's go through a little uh, spoiler-free. I always hate this part of the conversation, the spoiler-free. Well, wait, just generally, what did, what did you think of the film, Benson? Let me tell a little story. Oh, it's story time. It is. It's story time. Get your get your drinks. We're gonna we're gonna all gather. Get close. We're gonna we're gonna talk for a second. Turn your fireplace on. 2013. Everybody I knew heard about this movie, The Green Inferno. Everybody was pretty excited about it. You know, it's Eli Roth. Gonna uh, he's, he's doing a cannibal movie. Sounds great. Um, he, he he's the gore guy. So you want the gore guy doing the cannibal movie? Yeah, right. Uh, movie gets pulled for whatever reason. We know at the time I didn't know. You know, nobody I knew knew why it got pulled. It just got pulled. So now it's getting released, and a good friend of mine went and saw it twelve o'clock that morning, the day we went to see it, Friday. And twelve o'clock in the morning for a cannibal film? Yeah, matinee. That's that's a little early for my taste. I don't Extreme, think I can take this in at that time. Extremely excited to go see it. And immediately, he didn't even finish the movie. He didn't stay for the whole movie. Left halfway through it. Said that he thought it was utter trash. Uh, he thought it was terrible. Hated every aspect of it. Wow. I'm kind of baffled. Like, I don't understand what he hated. I would say probably the tonal shifts. Because I thought it was a you know it was a fun movie. I thought it was an Eli Roth cannibal movie, and I thought. You, you pretty much get what you think you're going to get. He delivered exactly what I expected. It's, it's, it's hostile with cannibals. Eli Roth made the Friday the 13th kind of version of a genre. Uh, everyone likes to usually credit Saw as being the start of the torture porn. But man, Hostile was the one that I think really defined what torture porn was 
and it made a real big deal. Like, I mean, that movie came out. It opened at number one. Quentin Tarantino presented it. It was a huge thing when it came out, and it caused a lot. It caused a little bit of controversy when it came out. Like, oh, people are like, "Well, I don't know if I like this. This is just blood and gore." If you think that's bad, Green Inferno definitely tops anything that's shown in Hostel. I don't know about that, dude. There is a dismemberment scene in this film that is one of the goriest things I have ever seen. It is yeah, but at so the same, bloody. At the same time, like they're eating the people, and it, there are some bloody, gory scenes. But in Hostel, it's 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 they're not eating them. He's they're doing these god awful things to people for just malicious reasons, and that that makes it sometimes a little bit harder to take in. You said what this guy thought of the film. What did you think of the film, Benson? What was well? What was I said thought? I disagreed with him. I thought. I thought I thought it was exactly kind of what I expected it to be. You liked it. You enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. You know, so if your idea for a you know Friday night movie is you're gonna sit around and watch The Sandlot, and it's got a beast in it, so you can, might get scared. And you know you're probably not ready for Green Inferno. That but, is very true. But if you enjoyed Hostel, if you thought Cabin Fever was fun, you'll enjoy this. All right, we gotta we gotta talk about those comedic tones and the horror here. Let's uh, let's take a break, uh, play the trailer, and we'll come back and get into spoiler filled discussion. Peru is dangerous. We can't just go invade a country because they're doing something that we think is immoral. I know. I just think I should be doing something about the rainforest. Time to make a difference. I guess we should put a disclaimer. It is a little bit harder to to review movies that just come out, or just even to talk about them, because we saw this film once. Yeah, it... So you can't take notes, you, you know, like, because my memory is not what it used to be, and I need to write things down. If I'm like, oh, that's funny, or oh, look, that's a that's an awesome line. I love that line. I like to write that down so I remember it. You can't do that because you don't want to be that dick that has got a cell phone light on in the middle of the theater. You can get one of those little like reading lights and like turn it on, put your little jacket over you. You think that would cause any attention? Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. You draw some attention. So. All right, Green Inferno, really, really kind of simple plot. Hippies go to try to save the rainforest. Plane crashes. They get eaten by cannibals. That's the movie. There's no secret that Eli Roth was a fan of Cannibal Holocaust. If you watch this film, watch the credits. Eli Roth put a list of credits, uh, put a list of cannibal films in the credits at the end. I thought that was really cool. If you like this movie and you haven't seen these films, check these movies out. It gives you like a little less, uh, gives you a little bit of homework. I really enjoyed that. I strongly encourage every filmmaker to do that. That was r- amazing and awesome. He also put the Twitter handles at the end credits. Did you notice that? I, I did. I thought that was kind of funny. That made me laugh. I was just like, huh. I wonder how long it's going to take before that's no longer a joke. That was a joke, right? I don't think so. You don't think that was him being funny? No, I think that's straight up publicity for the actors and him. I thought that was, it cracked me up. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, oh my gosh, that's, 
because I thought they were making a because okay, so in the movie, it's the beginning's got a little uh, some twists and turns in it that are a little surprising because they don't actually meet the cannibals in the film until about an hour, at least forty minutes into the movie. But, but really, like, really, I enjoyed like waiting to meet the cannibals. I think it would have got really old if like ten minutes into the movie they're captured and the cannibals are there. Watching an hour and a half of them in a cage waiting on one the next one of them to get eaten would have probably gotten pretty old. So I thought Mr. Roth did a pretty good job of creating a a story around the cannibal story. He actually has something to say in this film. I think he, he you know, he definitely points out like the the wrongness of going down and just destroying all the rainforest and killing these natives and but at the same time, he points out the hypocrisy inside the protesters and how that organization works. Our main character gets involved with these protesters because there's this one cute guy, Alejandro, who is the biggest douchebag in a horror film in a, quite a while. Just an ass. Worst person imaginable. And he's presented at first as like this guy that cares about causes and... He's all about the causes, but you Super can dreamy. just tell there's there's something wrong with this dude. Yeah, and it, it and he's sort of an asshole. Like as soon as uh, the main character calls him out on their on her first visit to the protesters meeting, and she says, you know, well, like, what are y'all gonna do? Starve yourself until they don't cut down the rainforest? And he kicks her out. Like he doesn't even give her a chance to apologize. And he also in that meeting too. He's like, yeah, there's gonna be a. <clears throat> And some, there's going to be some militia there. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, wait, what? What What do you mean militia? Hold up. And they don't, real, they don't really come back at that until they're already on the plane. And he's like, yeah, well, hey, guys, you're going to have guns. And they're like, wait, what? He's like, I said militia, motherfuckers. Well, I've heard people say that, like, it's stupid that they don't, that they blindly follow this guy, even though, like, he's not giving them all the information. But I totally I think that's see, what the point was. Though, I, could, right? I totally could see some college kids like getting all wrapped up in the idea that they're going to go change the world and not questioning what all is happening until it's too late. Well, I mean, that's what he does to the main character. Yeah, and that's what he's doing to everybody else there. He it turns out at the midpoint of the movie, kind of like the climax of this normal non cannibal film is that he's right. using her because her dad is a U.N. lawyer. Yeah. And they all strap themselves to trees. He is not trees. a UN. He is not like a place people go to meet at. He is a. He works at the UN. Well, I was trying to think that. of his title. Yeah, I was like, he's a UN. Wait, what was he? Because the, the dad, the dad only has like two scenes in the movie. He's not an important character. That's the whole reason that she's being brought there. Is they're using her. And speaking of the dad and hostile, like, I had a hard time seeing that guy as not a bad dude. Like, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, okay, he's up to something. The protesters go down to uh, the Amazon. They're going to they're gonna stop this bulldozer troop of people from bulldozing down trees by video. Like, their weapon is that they're going to they're gonna stream this live. And they're going to show the world. But then, like, the main character's lock won't lock. They're trying to lock themselves up to the bulldozers and, like, so they can't get by and they can't. They don't want to have to run them over. Um, but these guys have guns. Right. And they probably would have just shot them if they could. Her lock won't lock. 
And she's kind of freaking out. She's calling for help because at this point, like, she could very well get shot. It turns out they set it up that way. Like, they set it up so that the daughter of the lawyer who works at the UN would be streamed live. The workers would have to choose between shooting a girl that whose father is a lawyer at the UN or they win their protest and stop the logging. Which is fucked up because later on in the movie you find out that they didn't stop shit. There's another company coming right along that they knew about, but they were going to let do it anyway because um, money, basically. Yeah, you know, it's the same militia that was guarding the first construction crew is guarding the second one that comes in. Like later in the movie, they also show back up. Right. And it's the same militia dude that held the gun to the main character's head at the beginning. It's just like, That's a oh. tense fucking scene. Yeah, that is a real good scene. I thought she was actually going to get shot right there because it is an Eli Roth film, and he kills his characters off kind of whenever he wants. Well, I mean, like honestly, like that's one of the most tense scenes in the movie. Oh, like, I don't, I don't know. No, it's not no tense wise. I would say gory. Man, no, it's not gory, but I don't know. There's... I will say you were cringing, cringing your balls off over there. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll. Oh man, we'll get we'll get we'll get. No, to that. I definitely think that that scene where he pulls that gun out and points it at her head, you're waiting to find out if she's gonna bite it or not. I I think that's probably, if not the most tense scene, one of the most tense scenes in the movie. It's directed really well. There's just so many people around. There's a lot going on in that moment. Yeah, and he's he's blocking and working the camera around everything very effortlessly. I mean, this guy hasn't made anything really since Hostel 2 in, what was that, 2007? He's produced a lot of stuff. He has, and he's done some things on TV. I know he did that Hemlock Groove for Netflix, and um, he, he shot that, uh, that black and white scene in Inglorious Bastards. Right. And he also acted in that. But like, this is the first film he's directed in a while, and I'm glad to see he's still got his mojo in these scenes. Direction-wise, I think this is definitely his best movie. Yeah, we get to they're going to ship them out of there now because they're all over they're all over the internet right they're they're trending yes they're trending on uh instagram and, and twitter, twitter. <laughs> uh, which i thought was like that's why i thought the twitter names at the credits were a joke i thought that was like making fun of the uh the hippies but no nah, i totally figured it was to get more followers so they put them in this plane the plane crashes they have a throwaway line in the movie later that's like Oh, yeah, I, th- I bet you they sabotaged it. Like, the militia or the construction company that got caught for all this deforestation sabotaged their aircraft. And you're talking about tense scenes? I thought this scene was good. It hit the cliched notes of a plane crash. <laughs> he had to throw in some extra gore moments just because just he's Eli Roth, and that's what he does. It's not a big 747. You don't get to see many little, like, passenger plane crashes. And then that horrific moment where it's crashing through the trees and, like, that, that, poor, oh. that poor guy in the seat gets, gets ripped out of the plane and he's hanging, or she's hanging in the tree. And Oh, and there's that, there's that one insane scene. It's the first time I think I jumped, like, four feet up in the air. Is when that one guy's going to get help and he just runs into that propeller and he just goes boom yeah and he just flies off dude that scared the crap out of me and he's just dead cracked his skull right open oh uh, yeah, making thought, a wrong turn uh i thought that was great i love that like 
that chaos feel where you're just like it's everything is just happening at one time like you're all days getting out yeah, of see, an I'm accident. wondering if like all right take that scene for example all right and the guy walks into the propeller I'm wondering if my friend was thinking that that's supposed to be funny and it just wasn't and that's the reason he was like this is shit it doesn't work or if he understood that that that's that chaos feeling and that, yeah that's probably exactly what would happen I'm I'm pontificating. I'm wondering if maybe he thought it was supposed to be funny, but it wasn't funny, so it was a fail. But I don't understand why you would see the humor there when it's very clear, like, three scenes later when he is going for comedy. Yeah, like but, you know, like, you, you got that what could be a slapstick moment. Dude's gonna run, get for, go get help. Hey, guys, I'm gonna go get help. Turns around and gets clopped in the head by the propeller. Uh, you put that in a slightly less gory movie, it might be pretty funny. If at that moment he doesn't die, his skull's not cracked open, and he's on the ground going, fuck, could be a funny little moment. If you don't watch where you're going, people in horror movies are going to make mistakes, and that's what get them killed. Yeah, I think it just adds to that feeling. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just analyzing it from uh, any way I can try to figure out why he didn't like it. Like, we get introduced to the cannibals now. Now we get into the meat of the film. No pun. Puns. The lowest form of humor. The dead form of humor is what I'd always go with. Dads do. Can't make sex jokes around your kids. You can only joke about flatulence for so long. Or tell knock-knock jokes. Mm. Which is dangerous around children. Little side note here, guys. But have you have you asked done the knock knock jokes with your kids yet? Uh, no. Oh, uh, no, we haven't. Yeah, don't, because then you end up with countless knock knock. Who's there? Duck, duck. Who? Duck wants to talk to you. Ha 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 ha. Knock knock. Who's there? Carrot, carrot. Who? Carrot wants to talk to you. Ha ha ha. I don't, I don't get that joke. It's not a joke, but they just, anything they see, it's like, you fucking watch. Watch. Who? Watch is knocking on your door. Ha, 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 ha. Do a knock-knock joke with your kids. See what happens. Oh, uh, I know. Henry, Henry did them one time. It was just, it was, what is it? Uh, It was Orange You Glad something. Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Ah, uh, yes, that's what it was. Well, now we gotta tell a joke, just in case you guys haven't heard it. It's knock-knock, who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock-knock, who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock-knock, who's there? Orange. Orange who? Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Uh, so yes, cannibals. That's what we're talking about here. They eat people. Okay, so cannibals get them, take them back to the village where Mama Witch Doctor comes out. Examines them all, and she picks the big fat guy, which really he's not that big fat, but he's supposed to be the fat guy in the movie. The nicest guy in the movie. By far. What the fuck did we watch? Well, I knew it was going to get you as soon as she pulled his eyes out. You got a thing with eyes. You Uh, don't don't like people touching eyes. No, I do not. I do think they should have restrained him a little bit better, because he wasn't fighting being killed very much. Well, they had like they got like fifty tribes dudes out there, like holding them down. Well, yeah, but they're holding him down, like barely touching him. Like, <sighs> I, you, you, 
Somebody starts pulling your eye out, dude. It's gonna take 10 or 15 people to hold you still. <laughs> I did, I, did you read much on this? Did you study much on, on this? That these were actual tribes people? Apparently, totally regurgitating what information it's on IMDb at this point, but they, he showed them Cannibal Holocaust. They thought it was a comedy. Loved it. They signed up to help him. They helped the crew, and they were also in the movie. Wait, they thought it was a comedy? It's the first movie they'd ever seen. So they thought it was funny that these people were eating people. Yeah. And there's some, like, ideas. There's a scene, like, with the kids are, like, playing with the snake. Apparently, that was the little... The little kids that lived in this village, that was their that was their idea. But yeah, he he went into this tribe and the tribe like the makeup on these people, freaking amazing. Now they this is makeup. This is not actually how this tribe looks. They are made up for this film. They're covered in like um, some kind of clay paint all over. I guess I think that's supposed to be like some blood mixed with something. Because later in the movie, they start they make bowls out of people's skin, and they make leather clothing. There's a scene where they take... They're good actors. <laughs> what? They're good actors. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the same time, like, what I mean by they're good actors is, like, or, you know, like, Mother Witch Doctor that comes out. I mean, she looks crazy as shit. She looks like she's really pissed at them, and she hits all of her beats when she's making the orders to cut him up and eat him. See, I don't know if the main witch doctor lady with the evil claw and the guy that you see with the bone through his On nose. The poster? Yeah. Yeah, because those, those, her and him are both really good actors. Yeah, I don't think that those are actual members of that tribe. I, oh. I was looking, and they, they're actually in other movies. The guy that's painted with all black and he's got like an orange face. Yeah, the guy that, on the poster. Yeah, that guy, I, he's in Aftermath. With okay. Eli Roth. Well, that explains it. Well, then the only good actor from the tribe was the little kid that liked the flute. Again, necklaces. We've talked about necklaces. <laughs> we talked about necklaces with Shocker. Evil did too. Here we go again. Um, a flute necklace that plays a huge role into the movie. It was her mother's that died. In horror films, no one ever buys a necklace. It's always given by somebody that had to die. But she didn't have to die, though. She actually, she actually, she had the necklace, and she actually lived. Where'd she get it? Oh, dead mother. Okay, all right, all right, fair enough. Don't contradict right. me. I know what I'm saying. All right, all right, fair enough. All right, all right, okay. And it does save her life. She gives it to the little girl, or boy. Is it a boy? Who's a little girl? I thought it was a little boy, because his sister jumps his ass. Oh, that's right. I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, so yeah, and he ends up saving her. But hold up, we. We skipped over the dismemberment scene. We talked about... What, you want to go through it shot by shot? No, I don't want to go through it shot by shot. I think we, we didn't talk about the, the amount of makeup. Now, when we say he's getting dismembered, I don't want people that are listening to this to think, oh, like this is like some normal horror movie dismemberment. This guy is still alive. He gets his both his eyes ripped out, his tongue ripped off. Then he gets his arm cut off, both his legs. His The shot that just drove me insane. He's missing an arm and two legs. And he's still twitching on the table with his other arm attached. Yeah, he should have twitched harder before they cut the arms off. Maybe even tried kicking or something. That is the one thing about that scene that bothered me is just how still he laid. Ah, dude, I didn't... But I understand when when both your arms and your legs are prosthetic, filled with fake blood, you can't really kick a lot. I, I thought the makeup was great, man. The makeup is great. I thought the way this was cut together, the way it was shot... 
it the makeup and the the shooting it, it it's the same sort of pet peeve I get when like uh someone shoots themselves in the head on screen next to a window like and the gl- the blood flies out of the back of their head and hits the glass but the bullet doesn't shatter the glass like that irritates me because if the blood came out the bullet came out and if the bullet came out it would have shattered the glass well maybe it was at a different trajectory man maybe they shot it into the ceiling and the blood just was like i'm going to go to the glass that's against physics right the blood's coming out of the hole the bullet made dude you don't know maybe that was just a squirt maybe it was wasn't the exit blood maybe it was like the artery had one more pump left in it so it just squirts it's like hey whoosh. you're trying really hard <laughs> Although I was really excited. I love excited. those shots in movies, though. I was really excited one day. I was—I don't remember what movie it was. And they did the shot where, you know, the guy was against the window and he pulled the trigger. And sure enough, they had the window crash behind him. And I thought, perfect. That's somebody finally thought of it. Benson's like, I like that one. But I thought the makeup here in this, this is the goriest scene in the film. This guy getting totally ripped apart, alive. It's horrific. It's good makeup. It is disgusting as shit, too. If you get disturbed by gore in films, I would highly recommend never seeking this film out. This is really, really disturbing. It is, it's really gross. If you're, gonna, if you're not going to like this film, I think it comes with the next scene right after this really brutal human live dismemberment. One of the girls locked up in the cage says she's going to be sick, goes into the corner, and it's this really bizarre. She has diarrhea, and you you don't see it, thank God. But they you don't show it. it. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's played for laughs. Until the native kids all started waving in front of their noses and going, ew. That was the part where I was like, oh, well, he is trying to get a laugh here. Well, I thought I thought that was messed up because it was just... I thought that brought it a little bit back to the horror because it shows how just degrading of a situation that they're in. That's, see, that's what I thought he was going for in the first place. No, dude, with those fart noises, there's no... It's like stock fart sound effects. It's this really bizarre tone shift that goes back and forth from this part of the film. The same character that has the diarrhea shits in the film, she later commits suicide. Well, yeah, she realizes the bowl she's eating out of is... is her friend. Yeah, it's made from her friend. She sees, like, the tattoo that her friend had yeah. in the bowl. And she cuts the bowl. And I was wondering if maybe even the food they were eating might have been part friend. Yeah, they didn't really address that at all. But, of course, Alejandro, he, he was he like, man, this... Care. He was like, anybody, anybody not going to eat theirs? <laughs> yeah. This is what makes Alejandro, like, the worst person in the world. He starts, he starts jacking off, just going to town. He just starts insanely masturbating as quick as he can in the middle of the cell right after this girl cut her own throat. And then the guy, the other, one of the other guys in there is just like, oh my God, you're sick. What are you doing? And he's finally had enough of this guy. Because at this point, Alejandro has already told him that all the work that, they've, that they're there for is for not because another construction company is coming through. They may have hope if they wait there long enough. That he purposely set up UN chick. So then he starts choking him. 
And he just starts masturbating even faster while he's, this guy is choking him. And it's just like, oh. I was right on the tip of my tongue. What was his reason? To relax. He needed <laughs> to survive. They needed to relax. Yeah, dude, you know, you have, you have some stress in your life. You're in a terrible situation. You're a prisoner of war. You're going to get eaten. Dude, you got a lot of built-up stress. You need to masturbate. You got to get that out somehow. I actually, meant, I actually meant to look that up to see if that was actually something that, you know, like prisoners of war have talked about. You need to do this to Dude, survive. I don't care if it's something you need to do to survive. You don't do it after somebody just committed suicide. You just, that's just not the time. They do shove an ounce of pot down her throat with a stick. Yeah, that's their big escape plan. Now, what did you think of that? I actually thought that was kind of funny because it worked. That seemed like not a lot of pot. Because they even make some like very like, uh, like stereotypical like, oh, they're out in the Amazon. They get better pot than we do. And then this little amount of weed because they shove it in this chick. They roast those ribs, man. They put them in a smokehouse. Yeah. They, they cook it proper. I mean, is it ridiculous? Yeah, it's definitely played for laughs. The guy, one of the guys that get, ends up getting away, he, get, he gets caught, and he gets eaten alive. They, go, they just kind of go zombie on his ass, and like, you know what? We're going to have him raw. I thought that was a little weird. Like, that seemed... I, I sort of forgot about it until you said that, but, but I just thought that was out of place. Like, you know, so far they had, they had cut up the people, they had cooked the people... And then suddenly they're just zombies on them. That was the bad part of their plan, you know. They Yes, they got them high. They got really lazy. Two of the people get away, and you think they're, they're gone. But, hey, they get the munchies, too. They're going to eat you raw, man, like sushi. So that didn't feel out of place to you? I kind of saw that coming. Once they put the drugs in the body, and they all start gathering around and start acting like they're tripping and things and hallucinating... Yeah, I kind of figured it was only a matter of time before they're like, oh, well, you're going to have to have a munchy joke. But it didn't feel out of place. Like, even whether you figured it was going to happen or not, did the way the rules of the movie had been set up to that point, did it feel out of well, place? Well, no, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. Because they, because they did the drugs, they gave a reason for it to happen. You know what I mean? So it's, it didn't feel like it's out of place because... I mean, I agree with what you're saying. The cannibals, I don't feel like they would have done that in a normal circumstance, but because they were on drugs, that these people slipped to them. Because drugs are bad. Yeah, kids, yeah, drugs are bad. Don't give drugs to cannibal. They will eat you. If you, if you. if you eat pot in your barbecue, you might eat your friend. Well, if, if you already had a, a, pre, 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 a pre-existing cannibalistic <laughs> tendency, yeah, maybe. If you've been pre-exposed to cannibalism, do not eat pot. <laughs> Don't eat pot. Actually, I actually have an eating pot horror story I can share during this moment in the podcast. This is a true story. This really sucks for this guy. Bob works at a news station, was driving a station car, got rear-ended. Station rules said if you're, if you're in a car wreck, you must be drug tested. Uh, two days after he goes in and pees in a cup, he gets a phone call that he failed the drug test. And he's like, what? How, how did I fail the drug test? What did I fail it with? And they said, you have, uh, you have marijuana in your system. 
He's like, well, I was at a party, and there were some people in the garage smoking. He goes, oh, no, this is not a contact. This is a significant amount of marijuana in your system. They fired him. So he starts kind of researching, like, where the fuck did I get weed in my system? Turns out the party he had gone to, the guy had put weed in the brownies and pizza without telling anybody. And my friend had gotten pretty drunk and didn't notice that he was also high. Oh, that sucks. Doesn't it? That's, that's a pretty much a horror story, in my opinion. Lost his job, insurance, and everything. You gonna see that, dude? I would. Yeah, I would, too. I'd be like, dude, you can't be putting drugs in food. Bill Cosby did that. Oh, I don't even want to think. Oh, I don't even want to think. That bothers me so much. Don't put drugs in anything ever without telling people. It's right. just a bad idea. Don't, you don't do that. You don't know, like, what if, like, you don't know people could be allergic to the shit. Yeah. You might kill your best friend because you think it's okay that they eat the mushroom. and Don't be a dick. That, that does suck for that guy, man. Knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Yeah, sorry to, like, sidetrack the show, but I he called and told me, like, on the way over here. Sidetrack and get it on a, like, kind of depressing, like, downer yeah. note, too. Well, I mean, we were talking about... Diarrhea and, and putting, getting... You know, putting weed in your food and making and causing bad things to happen, so... Yeah, getting cannibals high, you know. You want to go over the ending? You want to go ahead and talk about it? And go, go for it. I guess we can wrap up what Mr... Mr. Roth here has to say. I don't so, think we have to give away what happens, but I do. We'll just say this. We, we won't go into detail. But in the end, she was able by one action to to successfully achieve both of her goals. So as the one person that went down there with pure goals to save the people, even though they tried to eat her and cl- cut her clit off. No, I don't think they were going to eat her. No, they were just going to cut her clit off. Yeah, they were going to do some horrific vaginal surgery. Yeah, now this is that is a true thing that happens all over the world and it is horrible. And that's why she's got to get out of there for sure because one guy says like if she it, doesn't die, she'll could, die from an infection. It could kill her, yeah. Yeah. She gets involved with uh causes early in the movie because she finds out about female genital mutilation. So, that causes her to reach out to this group which is going to go down to the to the rainforest and stop these people from killing this tribe. Yeah. Well, turns out this tribe also practices female genital mutilation, also known as female circumcision. So when they first all arrive, she sort of looks a little like them. So they're sort of kind of picking her to be part of the tribe. She's the only one that's a brunette. Uh, she's sort of got that, you know, Hispanic skin tone. So she's, she's going to be part of the tribe. So toward the end of the movie, they paint her up. And they are about to circumcise her. Because she's a virgin, too. They do a... Right. They do check, and turns out... So, question was, Brian, this is the the whole point of this thing. Did you, at any point, think she was going to have to go through it? Or did you you know that something was going to happen and save her from that? I don't know. After that first scene that guy got killed, I I was... Actually, I was really dreading that he was going to show that, because I did not want to see that. I, I thought if you'd showed that, that was just that was gonna go too far, and I was See, gonna I was gonna be I done. I thought this was a very odd. Up until that point, 
you know, he they, he he hadn't held back. Like he, you know, he chopped up people. He you eat people, and it's you know, it's been pretty. People have diarrhea. Yeah. Balls to the wall so far, nonstop. But I was one hundred percent sure that that was not going to happen. She gets to the point where she is laid out, tied up. Oh yeah, like they're about to do it. Yeah, na- she's naked and everything. She's got all her. Whatever her tribal, whatever tribal paint they they put on this virginal now, queen or whatever. We will say, I will, I will point out, if you're an Eli Roth fan, traditionally in his films, there are a lot of nudity. Don't go to this movie thinking you're going to see a lot of nudity, because you're not. Yeah, and all the nudity that you do see is really uncomfortable. It's not like the hostile nudity or the no, it's not, fever nudity. No, it's not like, hey, hot chick, this right. is a good scene. It's just constant dread and just... right. Um, so I'm just kind of giving the audience a warning that if you're that guy that you like Eli Roth's movies because he shows hot chicks naked, that does not happen this time. I still think this is probably his best movie. Well, wait, well, that's going in with the assumption that he can only have a good movie if he's got naked chicks in it. <laughs> I'm just warning, there may be guys out there that think only good horror films have naked chicks in them. Hmm, all right, decapitation, check. Uh, four pairs of tits. Oh, no, only two. Check minus, check minus, hey, you're check You're making mi- fun of me, but I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm pointing out that, you know, Cabin Fever had its share of nudity. Hostel had a fuck ton of nudity. If you're a Eli Roth fan, and part of the reason you're a fan is because he's going to show you some titties, you're a 15-year-old guy that, I'm going to go buy a ticket because I'm going to go see some titties. You're not going to see them. Like, that's not what happens in this movie. It's growth on Eli Roth's part. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's the only reason you're seeing the movie, you should you should probably just shoot yourself in the face. I mean, I do know people that saw Hostel just because they heard of how hot the chicks were and they were naked. That is Sexist a... bastards. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really uh, terrible reason to go see a movie. Why don't, why don't you just go watch porn? It's That's so much more, like, enjoyable for you then. Like, then you can see everything you want to see... And you don't have to watch any story. That's isn't that why porn exists? Maybe they they like the. They're like, I need a little story to my fucking. It's like a plus. I, I mean, I understand. Like, growing up in the eighties, like you would have you would have to watch Police Academy for the nude scene or something like that. There was nude scenes in Police Academy. Oh hell yeah, dude! There's like a bonfire where they take their shirts off and stuff. Uh, not that I watch Police Academy for the nude scenes. Worried about you, boy. Well, I guess um, let's. I mean, we, we we've talked about the end of the film. Let's go ahead and, and wrap up like what we think about his message and everything. Like, so she's all well, decked I'm leave out. This one to you. Well, she's she's all decked out in her tribal her tribal paint. The little village kid that is taken with the flute necklace. This girl has lets her out. She gets away, and at this point, the construction militia and the tribes guys are fighting in the jungle. And she stops it pretty much the same way that they stopped They stopped the trees getting cut down earlier in the movie. With the cameras. Yeah, she has some cell phone that is not working, but she fakes the dudes out. And this resolves, she gets away, and she's at the UN, and she tells, I don't, I guess the UN people that are trying to decide whether they should plow Go this. And clean these people out? Or? Yeah. Stop them from killing the tribe and cutting all the trees down. And they specifically ask if they're cannibals. And she says no. And she lies, yeah. So she can save these people because she knows if they're cannibals, they will use this information to wipe them out. 
completely take the rainforest down. If she presents them as good tribespeople that are being slaughtered, it's okay. Our bleeding hearts will all save them. I liked the ending. The one thing I didn't was... I'm not going to say I didn't like it. I just didn't fucking get it. At the end of the movie, during the credits, there's this weird shot. I'm not going to say what it is. Just go see the movie. And if you get this, please email us. It's a phone call and then like the CIA type satellite shot. Oh, with Alejandro. Yeah. The Alejandro character, the douchebag in the movie. Don't explain it. I just, just, if you go see this movie and you listen to this podcast and that shot makes sense to you, please email and explain to my dumbass what it means. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a Marvel stinger. It is weird. I didn't understand that either. Thought it was very baffling. I didn't, I didn't know where they were going with that. But yeah, when you go see the movie, yeah, write in, let us know what you guys think. So yeah, the the whole the whole ending with the Eli Roth pointing out the hypocrisy of of liberals saving the rainforest while also showing the people in the rainforest that are cannibals and the greed of the big corporation that's willing to kill people. So is is Eli Roth just telling us that we're all terrible human beings and that we should just 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 accept the fact that we're all terrible human beings and then we all do things even the right things that we do we do them for the wrong reason um well i mean maybe maybe he gives you the answer to that in alejandra's statement of in this system today even doing the right thing you will find yourself you will find yourself in the company of bad people you have to do bad things to get the right thing done and then she shows that you don't that you can save the people without sacrificing her life to do it. But she lied, though, to get it done, and she still she had to sacrifice his life. Well, she the fuck wouldn't? I know. That, okay, that's one thing the movie kind of pissed me off about. That guy was such a dick, and I didn't get to see that guy get his fucking neck ripped off or just... just. Okay, there's another thing we didn't even mention. There's a, there's a character that's trying to get away, and he there's these darts in the movie. That's how they... They, the cannibals trap people as they shoot these darts and it just puts you to sleep. He drugs this one guy that's trying to get away. He hits him with one of the darts and he, he falls down. Yeah, he's he like, grabs it, pulls it out of the stick and stabs his buddy with it. Yeah, and it's like, well, I, he says something along the lines like, well, I need him so they don't eat me next. And it's like, God, you're such a dick. He's the worst character in the world. I hate that. That actor was great, though. I mean... I really hated that character. He made me really hate him. And it, re- it made me really mad that we didn't get to see him die some terrible, horrific death in the film. His demise is very, very much left up to the viewer's imagination. Because once she leaves the camp, it's kind of, it's kind of over and done with and we're, we're out. But again, the end of the movie, like when she escapes, there's a pretty cool little action sequence. I thought pretty well directed. Yeah, in my opinion, if you're a, you're a horror fan, you like Eli Roth's type of movie, you will probably like this one. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Um, no, wait, it's not really a fun movie. If you find <laughs> Eli Roth's type of movie fun, it's a fun movie. Nah, um, it's fun in like the horror sense of dread. It's not a pleasant film. It is The humor is off-color. I think that movie could have been made 
to feel way more dreadful than it is. You you give that movie to a different director, I think you could have had a movie that was almost unwatchable. But Eli Roth directed it in a way that it 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 stayed entertaining. It was balanced on that. Can I watch this? Can I not watch this? You give it to the director of Martyrs. I don't know if I like the 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 tonal shifts all the time. I liked I liked most of them. I'm mean, even even like the the horror parts, like the parts that are just really violent. They're not quite to that point where it's too disturbing to watch. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I it, think the, I the think gore he, in this is uh, is outrageously violent. But he keeps it just enough to that point where it's not so realistic. It's disturbing. I thought this was very realistic, and I thought the violence and gore in it, like the fact the MPAA rated this R, I just. Don't under, they did not watch this film. This is not an R-rated film. The makeup is really good, but it, it, it is it is really, really brutal. It's not like... I guess the, the problem I have with, it's not like Piranha, where Piranha is, is really gory, but it's so goofy all the time that the gore is safe gore. It's, well, not, see, that kind of, it's not that kind of but gore. But what I'm saying is I think that with Green Inferno, with the gore in Green Inferno, and in Hostel for that matter, it's not on, the, like, you know, if you've got, imagine the uh, old type of uh, uh, stereo where you had the little needle and the middle is right where you want it to be, but sometimes it would come way over here and you'd have to correct it and it would come back over here onto the left and you'd have to correct it. All right, well, so Piranha's way over here on the right. It's complete goof gore, right? And then you've got some movies that are just a little bit too serious and they're really fucking uncomfortable and like that Serbian film and I think with Green Inferno and with Hostel, Eli Roth's talent is that he keeps it right there in the middle where it's not too disturbing that you can't watch it but yet it's not goofy. I See, I totally disagree. If you're going to go with the needle analogy... I think Eli Roth, he doesn't keep anything in the middle. He just bounces it back and forth. It's either this or this. I'm talking about just the gore scenes. I'm not talking about the entire movie. I, I don't think the gore scenes are that funny. They're not funny, but they're not uber disturbing either. Dude. You do cringe a little bit on well, first viewings. Well, of course you do. I mean, if you're not, like... I don't know. I don't want to be so desensitized to gore that I don't cringe. Then, like, what fun are you having? Right. But at the same time, I don't think... I'm just saying the gore in this is no... It's not to the point where it's disturbing and will make you feel sick and, like, you shouldn't be watching it. I don't know, dude. I, to me, it wasn't. To me, it, it's well-balanced to where it's, it's almost there. You can imagine it being there. But what you're actually seeing isn't. There, there are some cutaways that happen right at the right time, and you're not seeing what... And that may be MPAA cutaways, but... No, MPAA made no cuts to the film. Okay, well then, he made some decisions to cut away at certain moments, to not go all the way with the shot. How did I, Shocker get cut by the MPAA and this movie get released? 20 years, man. That's a long time. But, uh, dude, still. That Shocker, I'm telling you, the Shocker was post-Saw and Hostel. This is, or pre-Saw and Hostel. This is post-Saw and Hostel. 
Uh, but dude, this, I mean, th- for me, this was on a different level than all those movies. Like, I just want to warn people so that when they're, when they're talking about a normal horror movie, like when we're talking about Shocker, we're talking about Evil Dead 2, any of the other movies that we've covered on the podcast, this is definitely, hands down, the grossest, most visually disturbing in terms of violence and gore film that we've ever covered. It's just that it's we've really covered? brutal. Yeah. yeah. Hands down. Uh, and it's I, I can't think of anything in like ten years that would that would beat this level of violence on screen that I've seen. I don't know. I mean, I've seen some zombie stuff where they're like pulling intestines out. But this has that too. This has yeah, that has that shot in there. I mean, that's that's the yeah, the guy that gets eaten alive. They ripped his they ripped his they ripped his intestines out. They're eating that. There's even a little girl that walks away with the leg at the end. Yeah, but that's like that's where it goes into the comedy part. See, I didn't, I, I, that I did not, I don't know if I found that funny. I just find and, that. And, but it, at the same time, I'm not saying that he made it funny like Piranha. What I'm saying is that. No, it's not funny like Piranha at all. Like, like just take the scene where they're killing Jonah. He could have taken that to a much gorier level. Like, when you start cutting the human body apart, there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of gross stuff that can happen. But he he showed restraint by still, but still showed enough that you felt like it was a pretty disturbing scene. I do not think it's as gory as you're making it out to be. I can't think of anything I've seen in the theater in the last ten years that was that gory. I don't know. I guess I have to go back and rewatch us uh, uh, the hostile movies. But when I watched those, I never I never once was like, oh wow, this is too much, or like, uh. But when I was watching Green Inferno, I was actually, like, my hands were, well, one were the, up in my well, face. One of the things I think he did different in Green Inferno as opposed to Hostel is in Hostel, he's, he's straight up showing you what's happening. But in Green Inferno, he's showing you, but he's also cutting away at certain times, which is leaving a lot to your imagination. There's a lot of times where you see that saw or that hatchet come down, into, and it's like two or three frames, and it's going into the arm. But then it cuts away, and you're seeing a bunch of people's faces, and when it comes back, the arm's gone. Or they could have totally gotten in there and ground down on the bone and cut down on the tendon. Which does remind me of that great gag in Evil Dead, the remake, when she's cutting her arm off. And you think, like, oh, God, she's cut her arm off. But then they take it that one step further, and she turns around, and it's hanging by that one tendon. I got rid of it, and then it snapped and fell down to the ground. There we go. This is easily the goriest film since the Evil Dead remake. Evil Dead remake was pretty gory. Yeah, that's pretty gory. It's the tone switch with Green Inferno. It goes from, here, this is crazy, it's shocking, to, oh, look, we're laughing at, at poop jokes. I don't know. I'm just not used to it, I guess. I need to watch the film again. This is only the first time I've seen this film, guys, so don't let me watch it again. I'm not going to watch it again anytime soon, though. I need a shower after watching this movie, man. But overall, really enjoyed the film. Um, Thought it was really well done. It's very tense. If you like a cannibal film, you like a good gory cannibal film, I highly recommend it. So that's going to do it for us. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, If you guys want to get in contact with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew, crew crew spelled C-R-E-W-E, at gmail.com. We also have a voicemail line. That number is 323-539-8661. Call that number. Leave us a voicemail. 
Also, if you guys could uh, rate us in iTunes and Stitcher, that helps people find out about the show. So thank you if you're doing that. If you're not, well, you probably should. So that's all I have to say about that. So we close out the show like every night with a track from the soundtrack, with a track from the soundtrack, with a song from the soundtrack. This is Escape from the Green Inferno by DJ Ashba. Enjoy. Enjoy. 